Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 31 of the ClapperCast. I'm Sean. And I'm Burke. And uh, we're recording this on December 2nd, 2019. Um, we spent a lot of time last week talking about the big news at the time where Mike Babcock got fired out of Toronto and stuff had started breaking about how he was kind of mentally and emotionally abusing Mitch Marner with some of his tactics. And uh, throughout the last week, even more stuff has started to pop up and it's kind of culminated in uh, today, an interview with Chris Chelios came out on Spit and Chicklets, and he talked about how Babcock basically berated and verbally assaulted uh, Johan Franzen on the Red Wings bench one time, to the point that Franzen had a nervous breakdown. And uh, this is kind of like the, um, according to Franzen himself, like that is just the tip of the iceberg with what what type of things Babcock did to him and that he saw Babcock do, so... It's pretty scary to think like that's just the tip of the iceberg. Like, what the hell went on behind the scenes, right? Yeah, because apparently that nervous breakdown continued off the ice after the game. And Franzen is a guy who's experiencing tremendous post concussion symptoms in his life now. So it's possible he was dealing with that at the time and just too much stress and, you know, having a coach berate you and you're not oh, feeling he, well. He and... absolutely was because, uh, this was this was while he was dealing with the concussion too. Like he was already injured, but still playing. I think. Man, <laughs> what does the guy gotta yeah. do? <laughs> exactly. It's I can't. I'm just. I was kind of speechless reading about that, and then I saw friends and comments after. Like he said, yeah, it happened, and there was worse. Like how? Where exactly do you go from there? Like how do you make it worse? And I I don't know if I want to know that. <laughs> I don't know, maybe he maybe he stabbed him a little bit or something. That that would be worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so pretty pretty uh, shitty. But uh, luckily for Babcock, there's another coach who uh, you know is is kind of trying to outduel him a little bit. And that's yeah, of course Peter's Bill Peters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you call losing your job a good week. Yeah, the the night we recorded our last episode, uh, right before we started, um, Akeem Alou had pretty much just come out and said. Um, revealed what Bill Peters had said in a locker room one day. And we kind of waited. I didn't mention that during the episode, I don't think, because no. we were kind of waiting to see where that went. Mm. But now it's been investigated, confirmed that he did use racist slurs in the locker room. And even more after that, he was physically assaulting or physically abusing players on the bench. Um, the notable one that came out was uh, Mikael Jordan, who was kicked in the back on the bench one time and apparently he also punched a guy in the head who um were, i don't think that player came forward yet it's kind of his yeah, story to tell so they're they're not gonna say it they're gonna wait for him to do that if he wants to mm-hmm. but multiple players have corroborated that this happened brenda so Moore did too yeah brenda Moore too yeah so it's kind of a pass the buck situation where everybody's trying to say like yeah it happened and i tried to bring it up the chain and was told you know we'll we'll deal with it and nothing really panned out and you know um years later it's up to the calgary flames to try and make sense of it all and they weren't even the team he was part of at the time Um, and i want to say that the calgary flames actually did a pretty commendable job in this whole situation. I think they did. They took a step back. They didn't make Peters available for comment the night of the accusation. 
they removed him from the team. They did an investigation. They didn't just like, you know, instantly fire him. They did a thorough investigation. They talked to Akima Lu. They talked to everybody else involved, and then they made a decision. And uh, actually, I guess they pretty much forced his hand to resign. Yes, because it wasn't actually. I don't think it was an official firing. It was a year quitting, oh, yeah. so we don't have to pay you anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that there was a lot of legal ramifications. Yeah. And that's Which I'm pretty sure that's why exactly why their investigation took a few days was because they were trying to find the legal loopholes and how to make sure this is all like employment law wise okay, mm-hmm. and which which clauses, which contract clauses they can exercise in this case. Yeah, yeah, it was probably. Complicated because he wasn't employed by the team at the time, so mm-hmm. how can they dismiss him for something that he did somewhere else? So yeah. it was probably. I a, think I heard I heard uh, a lot of talking about morals clauses in their contracts. Hmm. Um, right. That was kind of where Brian Burke and Elliot Friedman were talking about one night. Representing that seemed to be the focus. Values. Yeah, exactly. Um, quickly, his apology letter to Treliving was ridiculous. So. In the middle of this Terrible. investigation, <laughs> um, Bill Peters wrote a, an apology, not to Akima Lu, but to the GM of the Flames. He used the terms 10 years ago <laughs> or a decade ago, something to that yes. effect. Yeah, it was a, it was a decade ago. It was very ago. disingenuous. It, it was such a insincere he said, apology. He said, I meant no disrespect. Which like what what do you expect to happen out yeah, of calling an, a black blurs. player the n word? Yeah, that's no disrespect, bro. Good point. Um, so you know, it, I meant no disrespect. <laughs> no disrespect, bro. Yeah. It's just a prank, bro. <laughs> like but, what what that, what does that even mean? Like you meant no disrespect. Like what did you mean from that? Yeah, and like maybe maybe pass that apology along to that guy that I I said that to. <laughs> it was so phony and if he had very. somebody else write it they did a terrible job it was it was very pathetic if that was his attempt at saving face it was uh not a very good one you kept you keep like reading more and more comments and like there's there's more and more little kid like segments of it little statements and you know few words that just make less and less sense as you read other people's interpretations of it mm-hmm. and yeah. It's just, it was just a very, like you said, insincere, insincere, like disingenuous. Just didn't touch on what actually he did or what, like the significance of what he was doing. No, not at all. It was very out of touch and very phony. So, yeah, that was a, uh, that was that was pretty dumb. But uh, again, I think the the Flames did a, a excellent job in their handling of the whole situation. Um, you know, removing him from games, removing him from practices, um, transitioning in that temporary coach. Um, who I don't remember his name. Do you remember his name? Who the new coach is? I the believe it was coach. Jeff Ward. Right. Yeah. That sounds. That rings a bell. Yeah, he's the interim head coach right now. So he's not like not like their official new coach, but you know, depending if the Flames turn it around after. Because they they kind of went on a bit of a difficult stretch here. If they if the team turns it around and starts doing well through the rest of the season, I'm sure he'll be the next head coach. But for now, he's just the interim. Yeah. So I mean, uh, out of all the times for this to happen to the Flames, it's it's not the worst time because the team has been struggling and 
getting somebody else at the helm is, regardless. yeah. So, I mean, they lost a few, a few games in a row. I can't remember the exact number, but they lost enough for it to be discussed before this whole thing came out. So it's, it's like I said, there's never really a good time to, to fire a coach, <laughs> but um, it was, it was very coincidental that this happened when the team was struggling because it would have been a lot harder to, to have done if the team was doing very well and succeeding like last year yes so at least there's that if you're a flames fan it's a little bit <laughs> of a silver lining <laughs> um a good thing yeah, to come out of all of this it's kind of crazy because was he not in contention for the jack adams last year like he was at least discussed like mentioned i, I know he, he wasn't was, a yeah. finalist but yeah. I mean, I talked about him doing that because of the turnaround the team had between seasons. Yeah, he's only been there since the beginning of last season, right? I believe so. He so came a very over, short that tenure. Was, yeah, because he came over that summer with all the other Hurricane players, I think. Yeah, so the Calgary Flames have had kind of a whirlwind of coaches since uh, Sutter now, right? They've, they've recycled. They've gone quite a few because it was... So Ed Sutter went to Hartley, had Peters, and now uh, Jeff Ward. So, yeah, Daryl Sutter, Bob Hartley, who did win a Jack Adams there, <laughs> and then got fired the next year. So I guess it's oh, and not Gullison. a great thing. Yeah, Gullison throwing shit did into Did I say Daryl Sutter? Uh, I, Sutter I, I don't know. But yeah, Daryl Sutter. Not Daryl, it was Brent. What? No, Daryl Sutter was the coach there. Like, yeah, a long time, a longer time ago. Yeah, so I was saying since him, they've had just a shit ton of coaches. Including a different Sutter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I thought we were going from the second Sutter, not the first one. Got it. Oh, yeah. Wrong Sutter. Yeah. And speaking of the Sutters. <laughs> do we want to go back and get the third one they've had as a co- head coach there, too? <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Oh, and, yeah, and uh, Playfair, too. Forgot Playfair. Playfair. And Keenan, another asshole. So they, they've. Uh, They've had their share of coaches. Definitely. Um, so yeah, the Sutters. Um, so they're not a whole not a whole lot's come out about them yet. I think I've heard that they're working on like a bigger story, kind of encapsulating the entirety of what the family's done and like the the amount of covering up that's gone on in the junior levels to kind of cover what's what they've done to people. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it sounds like at least Daryl Sutter in the NHL was a bit of a borderline abusive whatever and whichever ones whichever ones spent more time in the minors too apparently Mm -hmm. have had stuff covered up by hockey canada and by the whl yeah that would make sense if it was brent sutter because he's been the coach of the red deer rebels for a really long time and he was the coach of team canada wasn't he i cannot keep all of them straight i don't know which one was which (laughs) clearly i can't after that last conversation There's too many There's too damn many. Sutters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think um, Brent Sutter has been the coach in the dub for a long time. So I think I think it would make sense if it was him. But, I mean, there, there are so many brothers that it could be many of them. Um, I haven't yes, heard this anything. One, this one is about... Brent, though, in, in Red Deer. Right. Okay. Um, was that is that where... Dan Carcillo played because this whole this whole thing came out because he made a tweet right about this being a thing. Yes. So actually, 
apparently Carcillo deleted the tweet that called out Brent Sutter. Oh. I'm trying to I'm trying to look into that one a little bit right now. Yeah, so Carcillo has got kind of a long history of being very vocal and abrasive on social media. Um he's 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 working to try and get people to realize the danger of head contact in hockey. Um but he he goes about it in a very like a, like I said abrasive and and very abrupt way, um, yeah. which I think is turning a lot of people off of what his message is, which is something that's super important. And he's and it also be... sucks because a lot of people look at him delivering the message and are like, oh well, you were a dirty pest in the NHL, so your points are clearly invalid, and they dismiss him entirely without seeing to seeming to understand that people can change, mm-hmm. and like he's kind of realized like the dangers of what he's done, what he's been doing, and he's working his ass off to change his, well, to make amends for it, basically. Mm-hmm. And to kind of fight for the other side. And, like, he gets dismissed a lot because of that. And also because of, like you said, he's pretty um, he's pretty upfront and abrasive about it. Yeah. But he's delivering an important message that we need to kind of, we need to kind of take the message and separate it from the delivery and realize, like, you should probably listen to him to some extent here. Yeah. Yeah, so it looks like um, Carcillo mentions that Daryl Sutter, when he was with L.A. for a brief stint, was an absolute piece of crap um, in his in his opinion. So just like verbally abusive, kicking guys on the bench in the back, that sort of stuff, and you know, not letting them eat on the flight home after a loss, that sort of stuff. So um, not, not nice stuff. <laughs> stuff but um yeah i haven't seen anything specifically about anybody in junior but um you know with the setters long time affiliation with the nhl and junior hockey um it wouldn't be out of the question for hockey canada to try and cover that up because yeah because they're they're kind of a one of the main hockey families in the country especially especially at the face of that kind of old school generation yeah hockey's pretty pretty old school yeah, and traditional well, and it's it's you know no one wants to go against the grain and it's it's kind of coming up now where people are willing to take a step forward and you know let them let people know about what their experiences were under these type of coaches yeah. and it's also it's 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 like you can be a hard ass coach you can ride your players harder. You can demand more of them. Like that's fine, but it crosses the line with what what's coming out about um like Babcock and Peters and the Sutters and Crawford, Mark Crawford too. We'll talk about him in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, that these guys are physically, verbally, mentally, and emotionally abusing and manipulating their players. Like that's where it, like there's a line in there, and these guys are crossing it big time. Yeah, it seems like they've got just one move in their toolbox and that move is just being an asshole to the players. Um, One, one thing that uh, I heard this season of kind of like a hard nosed coach was Joel Quinneville in Florida in one Mm -hmm. of their games where they were down like, you know, five, nothing by the second or by the first intermission or second intermission or something. He just didn't even come into the room. And the players knew, oh shit, this must be bad if he's not even coming in. Yeah. And that just sent a message. And then they came back and tied it up and they ended up winning that game. It's like, you don't have to come in and and yell and call everybody an expletive. You can just, you can say more by 
actually saying less like you know like and you can you send can the same across. type of message you can yeah you can get your point across like that particular point without being abusive yeah like not coming into the room is just an action it's like that's not hurting anybody no but it does send the message that you guys need to figure your shit out yeah <laughs> yeah you know not coming into the room and just blowing off the handle and throwing shit around is that's more embarrassing to be it's honest it's embarrassing to watch and your players are going to think like what the fuck is wrong with this guy <laughs> i don't want to win for this guy but when he doesn't come in the room you're like i'm i'm disappointing this man right now <laughs> i'm disappointing <Yeah. laughs> <the> coach <laughs> and okay and you brought up quenville uh throughout all of this too we haven't heard Quenville's name come up once in any of these discussions as anything but one of the better ones that everyone's played for. And he does have, he seems to have found that ground. I think he's kind of like a kind of a player's coach, but he's also a tougher coach. He seems to have found a decent middle ground in all of that. Mm -hmm. And for him to, you know, not be in any of these discussions is a pretty good testament to like how, just how good of a coach he's been. Right. And for how long he's been around. Yeah. Exactly. He's been around for a long time. Another one that kind of, kind of seems that way is uh gerard gallant you know kind of that yeah. hard-nosed tough players type coach um he's he's very animated on the bench just yeah, like winneville is but you know nothing's haven't heard anything but great things about him um well, if anyone if anyone deserves to be left in a in an away city and call him a cab to the airport <laughs> it's probably not gallant <laughs> yeah <laughs> Don't even call him like, a cab. We've got a list of people here, and like any one of them can probably get that treatment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it's it's strange that uh, yeah, Tortorella is another guy. You know, you've we've heard that he's an asshole a lot, but it's more like mm -hmm. to the media and to certain individual players. Like the thing he did yeah. with Luongo. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a bad so feel like, type move. I feel like there's going to be some something about him from his past he, just the way like how hot-headed he seemed and the way he's kind of presented himself in the public eye i can only imagine in the private eye but yeah. um from the sounds of it he's also done a lot of kind of self-reflection and changing the way he acted when he went to columbus that he hasn't been nearly as abrasive nearly as i'm just going to say the word bad just because i can't think of a better one right now <laughs> but he, he's kind of he's really improved on himself and that's why he's lasted so long in Columbus. And like, yes, he does have his, he does tend to pick his favorites. He does have his like guy in the doghouse every year, but mm -hmm. um, not nearly to the extent that it was in, in his last couple of gigs. Yeah. And he's got the same type of team. He's got the same mentality. He's just modernized his tactics. Like he's not, I mean, this is all from, the outside perspective maybe he's been the same way the whole time with his team but it looks like he has softened up a bit but still having the same overall mentality of mm -hmm. like that hard gritty block shots type of team which is the right way to do it rather than try and play weird mind games with players and yeah kick, kick the shit out of them what's that doing to help you think about the little situations when, like, you get mad and, and, like, kick, like, a couch or a pillow or something. And then you think about someone doing that, like, they're just walking back and forth on the bench and they're just kicking their, like, players, other human beings in the back for whatever reason. 
Yeah. Like where, where, like what exactly, like where do you get off doing that and thinking it's okay? Like you need to learn how to manage your anger a bit better if that's, if that's what you're resorting to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very strange. Um, so to move, move on to Mark Crawford, um, who yes. is currently working for the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, he worked for the Kings. He worked for the Ottawa Senators, I believe. And then he's also the head coach of the Colorado Avalanche and the Vancouver Canucks. So he's been around. And um, I believe he's getting investigated because Sean Avery has claimed. Yes. He kicked. Yeah, Sean by... Avery claimed he was kicking. He was being kicked uh, well on the bench by Crawford. Mm-hmm. And then... This one's going back, but last year, uh, Brent Sopel was, uh, again, on an episode of Spit and Chicklets, um, mm-hmm. talked about being verbally and physically abused by uh, by Crawford to the, yeah. extent, to the extent of being put in, like, a chokehold, being grabbed up and pinned up against a locker, stuff like that. Right. So that's another, that's another pretty serious one. And, I mean, we, we've known Mark Crawford's reputation for years, so this doesn't surprise me one bit that he's gotten lumped in here. Mm-hmm. No, nope, so I, I, I mean, slightest. no, and he's so he's on the same. It seems like it's the same type of suspension slash leave that Peters got while they, he was being investigated. So, two three days down the road, we're probably going to hear about Crawford's resignation. Yeah, and um, Evander Kane had a tweet, and it was something I don't remember word for word, but basically said like, "Don't lump Babcock in." with peters because it's not the same thing yes and i agree with that um to a certain extent um because yeah being verbally abusive and being blatantly racist are different but the effects on individual players are probably very similar where you're creating a a hostile environment to be in (laughs) and it's not not okay but at the end of the day saying the n-word and being an ass aren't the same thing yes it's <laughs> it's it's yeah, shitty it, that it, we have to distinguish that <laughs> they're offenses of different severities and in different different categories yeah they're all bad they are all yeah. completely unnecessary totally uncalled for but yeah they represent different they represent different um different categories of ins- of offenses yeah, and I'm I'm not condoning what any of these coaches have done, but um, you know, saying saying what Bill Peters said is like an instant firing in any position anywhere yeah. in North America. Doesn't matter if you're working in sports or anywhere else. That's an instant firing. And being an asshole is not. Yeah, not always. <laughs> um there might be more of a discussion. <laughs> and yeah. And Crawford kicking players, uh, I think, kind of that kind of falls in the middle for me. Well, the uh, physical part puts it over physical, the edge yeah. to the point that, like, yep, you're done. You don't you don't lay your hands on another person in a violent manner like that. That's you, yeah, you're not going to get away with that in any any public or working situation. It's probably not a little and love like, tap kick either. It's probably a no hard kick in the back and like. The, one of the things that I keep needing to remember too when putting this in context is that this is basically the equivalent of your boss physically and mentally abusing you at work. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you just just think about where you work and your your direct supervisor now has permission to come by and like kick you while you're just sitting at your desk or whatever. Yeah, like nice turnover. 
Yeah. <laughs> kick you. It's like, oh, you sent that email too soon. I was coming by and kick you or punch you in the head. Like, that's not going to fly anywhere. So, uh, you know, I think it's fair for, for hockey teams to be held to the same standards as they are still employer-employee relationships. You alluded to this earlier too, and now that we're talking about different levels and different uh, different levels of the organization and stuff, but how about what's what we've kind of been able to piece together and interpret from Ron Francis and Ken Holland's play or, or roles in these situations? Right. How the players, how in, in Carolina with Bill Peters, it was the players went to went to Ron Francis. I think so. Yeah. Okay. So they went to Ron Francis, told him about it. And his response was apparently to pass it along to his superiors and then not do anything himself. And we don't even know if that's what actually happened because the Hurricanes owner at the time said he never heard anything about this. Is that Fenton? So someone's either, someone's either lying or didn't pass it up the chain properly. But just the role of like that corporate hierarchy complacency. Yeah. That even though even though like Ron Francis, he does like I'm pretty sure the GM makes some the coaching decisions, you know, hiring, firing the coach, but he still just passed it along and didn't do it anything about it himself. Yeah. So that that's kind of that's pretty bad to me, or bad uh, bad look for him that he just kind of apparently accepted this as fine and let it happen. Yeah, because it is his um, decision to make. Yeah. As general manager. And this was, and also we were we were ripping on uh, Tom Dundon last year for being so like hands-on and everything <laughs> maybe it makes more sense now if he comes in finds out about about all this and wants to uh make a better impression or set things straight but uh that's all speculation on that end so yeah really say or confirm or deny any of that part <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and then uh holland in uh detroit apparently the players went to him try and complain about Babs and his response was to go down into the locker room and say I'm supporting Babcock 100% if any of you want to be moved talk to me and I will trade you and I'm gonna so, I'm just gonna clarify on that that last statement that apparently or according to Chris Chelios's recounting of it it wasn't like a threat to be traded it was like a if you don't like that then like come talk to me and I'll do what I can to trade you elsewhere yeah but uh that that's still, you don't have to make it sound like a threat for it to be a threat. It's <laughs> like, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen to that one guy who's like, yeah, I don't want to deal with this, and goes and asks for a trade. Like, how yeah. is he gonna be looked at? Yeah. Oh, there's no interest. We'll just bury you in the minors. Exactly. And we, you know, we know these guys have the ability to end careers. Mm-hmm. We've we've heard the stories about what Babcock's done to guys to derail their their shots at the NHL and. Other pl- other players who've taken stands like Akeem Alou, who probably had his career impacted and his opportunities impacted by being the face of standing out against hazing and that type of stuff. Yeah, you don't want to buck the grain in hockey culture because it's super conservative and old school. Yeah, but um, yeah, Holland's response. I mean, that's that's no better than Francis's to completely not even listen to the players and like figure out what's wrong. Just blindly support the coach yep it's uh that's just the way she goes i guess in the the old school hockey world yeah blindly follow (laughs) so i mean at this point i am very glad that all of this stuff is coming out and i hope it continues to because we need to 
see this. We need this type of stuff to be a, like be in the public eye to know how these people are actually being treated and not to let people get away with being abusive, racist assholes behind <laughs> the scenes just because they're in a position of minor power. Yeah, exactly. In before, no coaches are left in the NHL because they've all been... <laughs> All these allegations have come out. They all get fired. Yeah. We're back to the days of the player coach now. Yeah. Jack Eichel. It's already there. Ooh, when run the G- Yeah, he's going to be... Jack- the Buffalo Sabres are going to be in an amazing position when the GMs start getting implicated in this, too. <laughs> <laughs> Sabres already have player, player coach, GM, and potential owner Jack Eichel, so they aren't going to have much of a transition. Yeah, but what if one of those Jack Eichels is implicated, then they all have to step down, and then they're left without a captain... Best player, coach. <laughs> They've got a shell and, of a team, yeah. shell of an organization. Yeah, <laughs> they have some pretty huge changes on their on their hands over there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you were just you were just mentioning like the the shock to hockey culture and kind of the old boys club and establishment, and just how it's traditionally been very conservative. Don't don't stand out. Don't make a scene. Like just keep your head down and keep going. But uh, this stuff that's coming out at the NHL level is seeming to do well at going down the chains of different levels of hockey and hitting even the junior levels. Because we know like, there's obviously issues with abusive and uh, over-the-top coaches and parents at the junior and like minor league levels too. Oh yeah, absolutely. So minor. even, even just, just in the last few days, stuff that's kind of come out big time, that's the Swift Current Broncos... Uh, released their equipment manager slash head athletic trainer for um, what they call recent a recent increase in derogatory and demeaning behavior. Oh, they didn't they didn't say anymore. There is no 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 fanfare around that one. Just the just the corporate statement. But it's fine. There was that, and uh, this one was earlier this year that it kind of broke, but it never really it never really made a big scene until uh, again Dan Carcillo was. Um, put, putting out someone's story about this one, the uh, University of Lethbridge women's hockey team had a, just an absolute terror of a coach who was just playing complete mind games and abusing uh, mentally, abu- mentally abusing her players to the point of causing severe mental health issues and making fun of them to the players and just bullying, bullying the team. And you know she got released, and I think they're now in a bunch of lawsuits about it. But um, like that one, that one came out bigger again as well with with all of this type of stuff. So we're seeing another different uh, different level of hockey in university and junior. Um, I'm sure there's going to be stuff in the AHL. This is kind of where some of the um, it's kind of where Bill Peters Bill Peters's issue started. Yeah, but that's always regarded as kind of a a tougher league. I put tough in air quotes because you know, who knows what tough is anymore. <laughs> but uh there's you know there's probably gonna be more stuff that comes out down there too especially with guys who are five years out of the league their nhl shots are done and have nothing left to lose really i well, wanted to just point out that yeah you mentioned this stuff happens in every league of hockey and every sport really it's not yes. just yeah. a hockey thing that uh, i personally not. have had weird shit from coaches in minor hockey as when i was even in like adam when I played Adam Select, there was some weird shit that coaches were doing back then. So kids who were like 
what, seven and eight. It's not an NHL exclusive experience no. to be bullied and abused by players, other players or other coaches or whatever. It's it's uh it's everywhere, and um, yeah, it's good that people are bringing it up. I hope it keeps getting talked about. You know, like doesn't just kind of die off in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, like a lot of other things happen too. The other important thing is like it takes a long time for these types of cultures to build up, and it's going to take a long time for them to change and break down, and be replaced with healthier, more productive ones. So there's going to be stuff still for a while. It's probably still going to happen, but um, you'd hope that over time, as more players kind of come up in this type of environment, that we're seeing we're seeing and hearing about, for example, some teams in the CHL who do away with hazing. We see the example in the NHL with uh, Boston and Bergeron and Chara are just completely against it. They don't allow it to happen. Yeah. So, and you, you know, see with, with those examples player. on the big stage, exactly. Uh, we we see those examples on the big stage, and you have to hope that that makes a positive impact on the lower levels, kind of going down the chain to the point where it kind of flushes a lot of that out. It's gonna be a sad day when Chara retires. <laughs> he yeah, it really is. Him and he's just. He's come a st- he's become a staple, really. He really has. I expect him there, and he's just a he seems like a really really good guy. The green machine. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. a he's such a nice guy. Uh, he is a huge I, part. I'll of never the forget because he got uh, when he when he got his jaw broken last playoffs, right? He came back and like sat on the bench. Yeah, zero guys on like just little things like that. He's a different breed. Yeah, so um, I don't know. Maybe that's enough of the. Uh, abuse talk <laughs> kind yeah. of dominating the last few weeks of uh the nhl yeah. here but meanwhile teams have still been playing um is there any really? storylines that I've you only been, i've to, only been following uh... <laughs> twitter actually with uh with coaching stuff well, i, I forgot the nhl actually existed <laughs> i've been over here watching games still <laughs> yeah so i mean honestly the big the big uh two stories in terms of team performance over the last uh, couple weeks here are going to be san jose and minnesota so Minnesota's on a 6-1-3 and three streak in their last 10 games. They're two points out of a wildcard spot right now. Um, this, is just a, this is just a fun little tidbit, but they're actually 7-1-2 and two at home. So I didn't realize that until like just now, how much of a contrast there is between their home and away records, but it's pretty impressive. Is Minnesota the team that retired number one for the fans? I want to say, say they did something like that. <laughs> that sounds like a Minnesota thing. I think it's it's either that or they put the ices made out of like water from all the lakes or something. Yeah, it is Minnesota that retired number one. Oh God, that's awful. So you know, I guess them, it's working. <laughs> yeah. Um, um. And San Jose, the other one. There, I mean, we know we we talked extensively about their horrible start. It it kind of dominated the first month of our podcast. But now they're sitting in now they're sitting in third in the wild card or third in the Pacific Division, pardon me, with mm-hmm. an eight two and zero in their last ten, and they've kind of overtaken Calgary, Vegas, Vancouver, and Anaheim, I think, to get back to where they are. So they've they've turned around really quickly here. Yeah, not too shabby. Um, it's it's going to be tough in those middle spots to uh, to to get a spot, I think. But um, the West I also is really think... competitive right now too. That it's um, in that wild card area. Dallas and the Leafs have also been a bit of a story. So I mean, we mentioned last time that Dallas is definitely turning it around, and they're 
they're looks like they're not really slowing down. They're winning a lot of games. They're seven two and one in their last ten. And Jimmy Ben has kind of come back from the dead. He's like awoken from his slumber. He's been going pretty beast mode. You got um, the old man bones going. <laughs> <laughs> and um Tyler Sagan is putting up some numbers. So, you know, no horseshit comments needed. They're getting some work done. They kept that behind uh, the scenes this year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as they probably should. Um, and then the Leafs. So the Leafs have, uh, since the coaching change, they've won three out of four. And they've been playing good hockey. And they've been playing. They look like the team that we would play. expect them to be now. Yeah. You know, watching watching them play, they've got that high-powered, skilled offensive team, and they look like a team that can do that. Yeah, and this is with Mitch Marner out, too. He, Yeah, they've, they've been doing all of this offensive stuff, scoring a whole bunch of goals, like countering goals against back right away. Mm-hmm. They've been looking good. Yeah, so they're right back in it. They're, um, they're, they're at 13, 11, and 4 right now, and they're 4, 6, and 0 in their last 10. Since Babs was fired, they're 3, and 1. So... The Sheldon Keefe era is looking good. It's only been four games. Might have been five. I don't know. Um, Just plan the parade already, okay? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, And then the one other team that I wanted to mention is the Montreal Canadiens. So they have lost eight in a row. That is the first time they've lost eight in a row since 1939-1940 when probably half their team went to war. <laughs> so they yeah. are in a bad spot. They're still in the middle of the pack in the Atlantic, but Tampa's below them. They've got three games in hand. <sighs> I don't know. The, I think... the Metro is really strong this year, so they're even farther back out of the wild card than they are of, of the uh, divisional spots, actually, which makes yeah, it exactly. more difficult. I think it's going to be like last year, where they would... They would have made it in the West, but they lost by like one point in the East. Something like that, yeah. So what's going on in Montreal? I've watched a couple of their games um, because I picked up uh, Dano in my hockey pool this last week because Montreal played on like every off night. And I don't know. Price was playing really bad. I think he had a sub-900 save percentage. Um, He got lit up in that one game against Boston. I mean, maybe they're just playing some good teams because they have played Boston twice in a row, I think. Um, Boston's just on fire. But I don't know what it is. They're in games and is then they're not. Is it one of those things, like one of those slumps? Because, I mean, that, that, that can happen. And ten, like Eight games is an unreasonable for just a really bad stretch. Yeah, but I'd want to take a look at, at their um, like their shooting percentages. Maybe they're just getting really unlucky. Maybe they're... Yeah shooting below career averages um but uh yeah they've they've been struggling and a rumor i guess the uh the other thing what's that yeah i was was just gonna talk (laughs) about the coach too (laughs) yeah so this is from george larock so i don't know if it's grain of salt yeah (laughs) that uh, bergevin met with bob hartley in russia to discuss the possibility of coaching the montreal canadians so bergevin physically went to russia that's what i saw or was that like a (laughs) that's a pretty big commitment if he did yeah let me see if i can find the uh tweet here okay yeah um 
yeah, met Bob Harley in Russia. <laughs> so that's that's a pretty big commitment for someone who hasn't oh. made the change yet. Like that's kind of Claude Julian's he's, probably getting a bit sweaty there. He's uh he's in Russia to to speak with Alexander Romanov and okay. his agents. So got it. He's there for other reasons as well. <laughs> he, but, he didn't just uh, literally fly to Russia to talk to yeah. Bob Hartley. <laughs> yeah, he's uh. He's discussing multiple things on this trip, I guess. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Hartley's coaching in the KHL. Um, he's, uh, he's coaching Avangard Omsk. So, yeah, I mean, he's a couple of seasons removed from coaching in Calgary. I don't think he's been anywhere since. Um, but, uh, yeah. I mean, Hartley's, Hartley's one of those coaches that's, like we were just talking about, the, the tougher coaches to play for to kind of come in for a year or two have some quick positive results and then die off by year three. So that'd be kind of like a kick the group into shape right now. Hopefully in healthy and positive ways. Yeah. This discussion we just had today. So there's a, um, there's another little thing here is that another possible explanation is that Bergevin wants a scouting report on KHL players. Okay. Wants like a more Western guy's opinion on it because Hartley has so much experience in the NHL. So perhaps meeting with him. That's a valid reason. Players that he knows in the KHL. Yeah. But I believe, I'm prone to believe the spicier rumor (laughs) because of the drama. Um, Yeah. And I mean, it's it's a reasonable thought at this point. After losing eight straight, you've fallen out of a playoff spot on a team that has realistically should be competing right now with how weak the the rest of the division's been. And like if they yeah. didn't go if they didn't have this eight game losing streak, they'd be comfortably in a divisional spot right now. Yeah. So it's not unreasonable to suggest that Claude Julien's prop may be reaching the end of his time in Montreal again. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, the the Atlantic's really weak. But below Boston it's a really big drop off. So I mean they have time to make it up. Because the after the Bruins, it's the Panthers, Sabres, Maple Leafs, and then the Habs, and then the Lightning, and then the Senators and Red Wings, who aren't going to be surprising anybody this season. Um, so are we sure? I, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Ottawa was looking good for a few games there. Yeah, I, I think I still think that they're they're still just a team. I don't think that they're a good team. Um, are they a skating team yet, though? Maybe. I mean, did you see the news about Borowiecki? He's a they're a crime fighting team. He's a good yeah. Senators are gonna be the good guys of hockey. Because that also <laughs> uh, a couple hours later news broke out that the Senators had extra food from their like practice or meeting in Vancouver. So they're oh. like, okay, let's like give this out to people in need. So they oh, just nice. kind of went and handed out food around Vancouver. Good guy Senators. Yeah. So <laughs> good PR day for them. Yeah, definitely. Now just um, keep Melnick like hidden away in a closet somewhere for the next week so we can enjoy it (laughs) i saw a comment after all all these um coaches and you know staff member rumors and allegations coming out people were saying like okay this is super important (laughs) has anybody been abused by eugene melnick (laughs) 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 like this is very very important (laughs) oh man yeah um so yeah i think the canadians have have time to, to turn around here but 
I mean, Easily. how long can they go in a losing streak before it's like, okay, let's let's do something about this? You gotta shake, yeah. You gotta shake it up somehow. Well, I saw the other rumor is potentially looking at trying to trade for Taylor Hall. Ooh. As as the shakeup, which would be that'd be quite the change. That'd be quite the uh, quite the trade. I think go from New Jersey to Montreal. Yeah, that would be different. That would be. And uh, uh, by this point, spicy. I mean it seems like New Jersey is going to trade Hall, so. Mm. He's going to need a suitor, so maybe if Bergevin still wants to keep Julien, he can look at making a splash in the trade market as as a shakeup. Yeah, I mean they've got some cap space. Um, you know they tried that Aho offer sheet. They've got some room. I think if uh, New Jersey retained a little bit of salary, they'd probably be able to make it work. I don't know what For they'd sure. have to send back, but. Um, if I remember correctly, Montreal has a ton of draft picks coming up, I think. Probably. So they would they, they would likely be able to put a package together of that. Ooh, yeah, they yeah, do. So they've got they've got a a lot of their draft picks are in for later rounds at this point, but um they're kind of at a point with their prospect pool as well that they could probably spare the first round pick for the year if they're looking for a rental. Mm-hmm. Let's let's be honest, Hall's getting a first round pick. If if Ryan Hartman can get one, then Hall's getting that <laughs> plus a prospect. Yeah, I think I think a round one pick would be good, um, especially because they've got two in round two this upcoming year. Yeah. So to get rid of that first, they still got the two. It's probably going to be like a mid to late first rounder anyway. So what's what's the damage in getting rid of that? Yeah, and then at this point, I mean, they do have three high tier center slash wing prospects. In mm-hmm. Kotkaniemi, Suzuki, and Paling, that would probably be attractive trade pieces. That one of them, I think, is probably expendable, depending if they want to, if they're going to need all of them to play at center, because they already yes. have Dano and Domi on the roster. Yeah, Suzuki has been uh, tearing it up a little bit. Yeah, that would be a big decision to figure out which of those guys is the most expendable. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't uh, watch enough. Habs games and or follow them enough to to really understand who means more to the team. Um, yeah, that would be a tough call, very tough. But I think if you can get Taylor Hall, it would probably be worth it. <laughs> I think so. One of the best wings in the game. He would probably be a good it. fit on a team like that too, because they kind of, I think they're more of a faster team, anyways. Yeah, come into a more complete team, one that has a real identity. Not like New Jersey, where it's like, what even is this team? You know, like it, it, it's it's like team in middle of the rebuild where they don't actually have the ability to fill the roster from within. So it's just like a patchwork quilt of free agents and trades. We're the we're the team with the most jespers. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. the plan. <laughs> most jespers <laughs> wins the wins the Stanley Cup next year. <laughs> well, then this is going to be maybe Jesperi Kakanyemi will go over. Yeah, and yeah, yes, we're fast. Yeah, they'll they'll just get a <laughs> yes for yes party. So, yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting uh, fit. Um, what was the uh, trade we were talking about um, a while ago where we thought Vancouver was going to be a good fit? That was Tyson uh, Berry. Tyson Berry. Yeah, I don't think that's happening anymore. Nope. So that <laughs> I think, I think, think... Uh, with with Berry's bounce back under Keith here, that's probably firmly off the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Um, 
although I think that it wouldn't be um, let me just take a step back here. I'm losing my, my train of thought. I wouldn't be surprised if the Canucks make a move sometime soon mm-hmm. because Antoine Roussel is coming back and they don't have cap space. And Pierre Dorian was just at the Vancouver Oilers game yesterday. Right. Uh, Ottawa Senators are, of course, in Vancouver for a game tomorrow night on Tuesday. But um, there's kind of a little little mini rumor that he was scouting the team for Louis Erickson. Now, I don't know why they would really want him, but they could potentially get something else out of it from Vancouver. Yes, that would be um, a cap dump, and we're taking an extra asset, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So Vancouver has... It's really been widely publicized that they want to move him. And I think Ottawa being Ottawa, they're kind of the 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 lead cap dump right now, as long as the bonuses have all been paid. <laughs> yeah, I was um, just going to say, as long as the contract was front-loaded and the bonuses are done, they are very much the... Uh, <laughs> I'm <place> interested. <laughs> so that, that could exactly, be a potential yeah. move. And then... So Louis Erickson's yeah. contract right now, most of the signing bonus most of the salary or the most of the contract was signing bonuses and a lot of that's been paid out already so uh, it's getting spicier <laughs> yeah it was a slightly front-loaded contract so that would be appealing to them yeah so i could see them i mean i don't know how many picks they have or anything but um i could see them making a move um to get rid of him i don't know if they'd really get anything back they I mean they have to get something so maybe just like some like a, a pick swap or something right like that. now. Yeah. Right now, Vancouver, I think would be best served by trying to find a way to get defensive prospects. Um, yeah. Ideally ones that are a year or two into development already. Cause they're going to, they're going to need that to be coming up way quicker than they probably anticipated with, mm-hmm. uh, with how their offense and how their forwards have panned out so far. Right. And they've traded away their first round pick to uh, Tampa Bay already for JT Miller. I think he was worth it though. Yeah, he's been a so huge far. part of that team. He's, he's like a he's point dangerous. per game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watching him, watching him yeah. in the Canucks Oilers uh, home and home over the weekend was, it was actually a surprise. I did not realize he was that effective of a player, and he just he finds his way into the right spots on the ice, and he's fast and he's dangerous. And I think, uh, you know, that the trade got a lot of shit at the time for being way too much for him, but uh, I think it's worth a first round pick right now. Yeah, yeah, he's been a big part of that team, and the Canucks have gone kind of through like a, a bit of a overhaul and a facelift. They're actually a really fun team to watch this year, and it's not just because of Pedersen. Like last year, last year it was like okay, Pedersen Besser, and this year they're they're a fun team to watch. They're exciting. They score a lot of goals. Um, they move the puck really really quick. They're they're fun, and um, I think that we could see a, a, a move um, because they want to bring Roussel in and, you know, they've already healthy scratched Louis Erickson a number of times this year. So if they're going to move him, I think Ottawa is the only team that's willing to take that contract. It's just going to be a matter At of what can they, what would a trade even look like? Like who, who do you think they would want? <laughs> because they're not getting much. No. Um, Taking a quick look into Ottawa's Ottawa's roster here, just to see kind of what they have. 
like I just mentioned um, on the defensive side of things, how they might be they might be more interested in taking. I think yeah, that'd be that'd be a hard one to to pick up because <laughs> they like Ottawa's got guys like Demello and Max Lajoie, kind of those like fringe-ish but young younger on the younger side NHL or NHL ready defensemen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, obviously, guys like they're the top end defensive prospects are out of the question on something like that because there's there's quite simply not enough value. Uh, going in there, but would they even be interested in taking the draft pick? Because Ottawa's got a lot in the first three rounds next year, or first two rounds next next draft. Yeah, I could see just late round pick. If yeah, if we go with uh, with that type too, I think Ottawa would be doing them a huge solid, so they'd have to get something else. But yeah, yeah, that's where I struggle to see just a just a player for pick. Like Ottawa's going to be getting something. So, like another asset in return for for that, because there's no way that there's no way Vancouver's gonna get a, like anything of value for just Ericsson. <laughs> but though, to be honest, getting rid of his contract would be enough value to negate that, anyways. Something will happen there. Let's wait until uh, next month when the trade market starts to heat up. Is there any news on that Stevenson trade? Right when we started recording, there was a confirmation that Chandler Stevenson was getting traded to the Vegas Golden Knights. I don't really know. Um, Capitals acquire a fifth round pick in the 2021 NHL entry draft. So you called it. You said a fourth ah. or a fifth. <laughs> nice. Yep. So uh, good job on that. Uh, NHL insider Burke. <laughs> he's, a, he's a good like fourth line guy. He's a really fast player. He, um, he's got some playmaking abilities. Sometimes, sometimes he can't do anything. Um, he's a good penalty killer, so um, I'm not sure if Vegas's penalty kill has struggled this year, or if they even have room for him in their lineup. But um, I think Vegas's entire forward lineup is their penalty kill. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a prerequisite yeah, to play on Vegas that you have to be able to kill penalties. Good point. I know they're not where they want to be in standings, so it makes sense to. Vegas, Vegas has developed there. a reputation earlier for being able to take these kind of fringe guys from other teams and turn them into valuable pieces on their own team. And yeah. you're talking about Stevenson being kind of a streaky but fast and defensively sound forward. So he's <laughs> probably going to fit in. He's probably going to fit in well enough in their bottom bottom six forwards. Yeah, I've always liked Chandler Stevenson. He's just kind of been bumped out of the depth chart. Um, you know, Washington. Um, you know, as I mentioned couple podcasts ago how exciting our fourth line is to watch and that he wasn't a part of it he's been writing the press box lately so he's been the 13th guy there so kind of reminds me of like that uh josh levo toronto situation where they just don't really have a spot for him so they they work to try and get him somewhere else give him a shot somewhere else yeah because he's good enough to play in the bottom i would say a fourth line somewhere He's just it's just not gonna be in Washington full time. So I think I'm happy with that trade. Get something for him. Yeah, he get play. something anyways, and uh yeah, kinda good for good for all the parties. I wonder if he's a guy that um um McPhee drafted. <laughs> probably. When yeah, I I'm not sure on the timeline on those guys. Yeah, he probably is. Um, is there any other storylines or teams that you want to talk about? I think that about wraps it up on my end. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, th- 
thank you all for listening again this week. Um, we appreciate that. If you like what you're listening to, make sure you share it on your social media, spread the word of Clappercast. Um, to stay up to date on any content and updates we have through the week, uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Clappercast Media or on Twitter at Clappercast. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.